Thanks for listening to the LifePoint Church podcast. Visit us online at lifepointcentral.com. Many of you probably heard a, a, a recent poll or, or survey that they reported in, in the uh, New York, or Wall Street Journal, actually. And it, it was kind of a troubling poll. It basically said that they have found that under 40% of Americans right now think patriotism is important. Less than 40% of Americans right now think that religion is of any importance to them. And like 30% of them feel like raising kids is important. And I was hearing that, and that's, that's drastic. That's 60-some percent decline in 25 years. And when you hear that, you, you know, that, that may not be the circle that, or the group that's sitting in this room, but if that is the majority of what people are feeling in, in what we call the United States, that's concerning for several reasons. And if that's where we're at in this moment of history, that's alarming. And how many, how many believe that history is important? History is important. Why? Why is history so important? Because it, it connects us to our yesterday, tells us where we're at today, and keeps us from repeating the mistakes from yesterday. And, and there's a real push right now to what? Erase or eradicate history, which was, you can't do that. And if that does, even if there are bad things in history, it lets us learn from those bad things so they do not repeat if we eliminate those things, then we will repeat those bad decisions. Um, it also lets us to look back in history and find the important things and hold on to those things and not to sacrifice those things. So history is important. You say, Why, what's up with the history lesson um, this morning? Because I'm going to start a series and the title is History or His Story. Because I believe the greatest story in history, and I believe history is all about the story of God. I believe it's all about the story of his son, Jesus. I believe it's all about what God has done. I believe it's about what God is doing and what God will do. Yeah. You say, well, how does that make any sense? Well, he is important yesterday, today, and what? Forever or tomorrow. And so we're kicking off this series today, and we're just going to look at his story and how important his story is here over the next few weeks. And, and just wanted to let you know, we're going to talk about the significance of, of his entry into Jerusalem this morning. We're going to talk about, on Good Friday, we're going to talk about the significance of the cross. Next Sunday, we're going to talk about the significance of the resurrection. And actually, if you're, a, if you're in our, our youth ministry on Monday night, you get to hear me again. I'm going to talk about the, the significance of the impact of, of salvation and then we're going to come back the week after Easter. We're going to talk about the significance of his return. How many know that's just as important? So you want to be here for the next few weeks and the next few uh, Sundays and, and a part of what's going on. Everybody say, God's doing something. And I'm not going to miss it. Well, as most of you know, it's, it's Palm Sunday. Palm Sunday was the beginning of Holy Week, one week prior to Resurrection and so let's talk about the significance of, of his entry this morning. Look at someone and say, this is going to be good. I brought some props with me this morning. Aren't those awesome? 
I brought my, my palm branch. My wife said she wanted one. She would wave it. <laughs> so put it in there. Wave it like you just don't care. <laughs> if you would go with me, and this is, I'll tell you why this is so significant. But let's go to the book of Mark, chapter 11. We're going to read through this story, and I'm going to make some points that I believe are very relevant for us in the here and now. Here we go. Mark chapter 11, verse 1. As they approached Jerusalem, and they came to Beth. Phage and Bethany at the Mount of Olives. Jesus sent two of his disciples ahead and said to them, go into the village ahead of you and just as you enter it, you'll find a colt tied there at which no one has ever ridden on. Untie that colt and bring it here. If anyone asks you why you're doing this, say this to them, the Lord needs it and he'll send it back to you shortly. They went and they found a colt outside in the street, tied up at a doorway As they untied it, some people standing there said, what are you doing untying the colt? They answered as Jesus had told them, and the people let them go. Verse 7 says, when they brought the colt to Jesus, they began to throw their cloaks over it, and he sat on it. Verse 8, many people spread their cloaks down on the road, while others spread branches that they cut in the fields. Those who went ahead... And those who followed kept shouting, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Verse 10, blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David. Hosanna in the highest heaven. Jesus entered into Jerusalem and he went into the temple courts. He looked around at everything, but since it was already late, he went out to Bethany with the twelve. Now I want to jump over to the book of Luke and pick some of this up. This is verse 39. Some of the Pharisees that were in the crowd when this was going on said to Jesus, Teacher, you need to rebuke your followers. Jesus said, I tell you, if they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. In other words, you can't keep quiet about the goodness of God. So as he approached Jerusalem and saw the city, he cried or he wept over that city. And he said, if you, even you, had only known on this day what would bring you peace, but now... It's hidden from your eyes. The days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment against you. They will encircle you and hem you in on every side. They'll dash you to the ground, you and the children within your walls. They will not leave one stone on another. And look at this last verse. This is what stood out to me. Because you did not recognize the time of God coming to you. As I was reading through the story of of Palm Sunday, that last phrase kept sticking out to me because you did not recognize the time that God showed up. How many want to be a person that recognizes God's showing up in God's presence, in God's arrival with whatever he's doing, whatever he's up to? But they, they they missed the whole story. They missed the whole purpose. They missed the whole intention. They missed the whole reason why God's son spent this last week coming into the city of Jerusalem. But, but, but as we read, Jesus mounted this colt and he rode into Jerusalem. That The colt was a symbol of peace. If he was on a horse, it would have been a symbol of war. But as he came, they began to hold up these palm branches, maybe something like this. This was from Amazon. There's weren't. But they, they began to wave these and throw these on, on, on the pathway in, in front of Jesus. And, and, and this just simply was a sign of victory. 
They saw Jesus coming. They began to wave palm branches and they began to throw them on the ground as a sign of victory as their king was entering into their city. And they began to sing, Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. What they were really saying was come and save us right now. Come and save us today. Come and save. And they waved these branches and it was a, can you imagine the parade that came? Can you imagine the commotion that was going on? Can you imagine the excitement that was in the air? Can can you imagine um, they were so pumped up because their moment of victory, their moment of of anticipation was right before them. They began to wave and shout and sing and in great anticipation about Jesus entering the city. But yet Jesus said they did not recognize fully the intention or the time of my arrival. And I started asking myself, why, why, why did they miss it? Why, why did they not recognize the purpose for his coming. And, I, and I've got three reasons for you this morning, as usual. And, and here's the first one. We're going to jump right to it. Because the crowd had a coup agenda, but Jesus had a, he had a cross agenda. The crowd that was shouting for victory, the crowd that was shouting for um, the arrival of their king, they, they had in mind and on their agenda was a coup or a, 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 a physical takeover, but Jesus had the cross on his mind. He had a cross agenda. Uh, and, in other words, they, they were looking for a political solution, but Jesus had a, a, a much bigger answer. Did y'all get that? They, they, were, they were looking for a political solution, but Jesus had a, a much greater answer for them. They, they, they wanted liberation from Roman occupation, but Jesus was about to free them, not from Roman occupation, but from demonic oppression and demonic occupation. Jesus had a much bigger picture in mind. And it's, it, it was really, really interesting to me that on the first day of Holy Week, as Jesus entered, they began to shout, Hosanna, 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 praise him. Blessed is he who comes in the name of our Father. Hosanna, Hosanna, come save us today. The same crowd that on the beginning of Holy Week that shouted Hosanna was the same crowd at the end of the week that shouted crucify him, crucify him, crucify him. What happened in that week? What happened in one week when they, they, they see, they thought there was a political liberation coming. They, 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 they were really earthly-minded. They were really temporarily focused. And how many know Jesus had a whole different agenda? Could it be sometimes Jesus has a different agenda about your life than you do? And could it be that it's much bigger and much greater and much more accurate than what you are thinking? They had a coup agenda. Jesus had a cross agenda. And see, if you remember this story, right before his crucifixion, they shouted for Barabbas to be released and Jesus to be crucified. And Jesus was crucified and condemned as a terrorist. That's what he was actually convicted of. But they shouted, we'd rather have Barabbas than Jesus. The, the same crowd that just shouted, Hosanna, come save us, are now saying, we want Barabbas, you can have Jesus. Why did they want Barabbas? Because Barabbas was a famous zealot who was a leader in a zealous movement to overthrow Rome. They said, give us Barabbas, you take Jesus. Because they didn't understand. They didn't understand the significance of Jesus coming into their city as not just 
an agenda for political reasons, but it was an agenda for much, much greater um, spiritual reasons. I love the end of this verse. This is 1 John. This is chapter 3, verse 8. Look at the end of this verse. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy. Everyone say destroy. That means to break off and eliminate. He, he, the reason Jesus came was to destroy the works of the devil. And when he said on the cross, <clears throat> yo, it's finished, he destroyed the works of the devil. Now, don't, don't, don't glaze over that because what are the works of the devil? I mean, there are, there are many works of the devil. The Bible says that the sun comes that you would have life or you may have life and you may have it overflowing and abundantly, but the enemy comes to kill, to steal, and to destroy. So the devil's agenda, the devil's plan, the devil's works, the devil's uh, MO is to what? Kill, steal, and destroy. And Jesus came to destroy those works. That's what he was doing when he was going to the cross. That was his intention to go to the cross to destroy the power of the devil, not the power of Rome. The, the power of Rome was one problem. There's a much greater problem. It's the, the problems in America right now are one problem, but there's a greater problem. It's the devil is the God of this earth right now. There's, there's a greater problem than what's happening in the White House, and it's what's happened underground, what has happened throughout the earth, and what is happening right now, the deception on the earth, and that's the enemy. Jesus came to destroy that yoke. And if you are sitting here this morning or you're watching and you are a believer, guess what? You've been freed from that yoke. I thought I'd just throw out some of the things that Jesus destroyed. And maybe if you've ever experienced this, you need to shout. He came to destroy sickness. He came to destroy poverty. He came to destroy opp oppression, possession, and depression. I like how that goes. He came and he destroyed oppression, possession, and depression in one session on the cross. <laughs> he came to destroy the fact that people's eyes at that point were blind, not just physically, but spiritually blind. He came to, to deliver us from deception. He came to deliver us from accusation. He came to deliver us from temptation. He came to deliver us from what's been stole from us, what the devil has took from us. He came to destroy the destroying power of the enemy. They didn't know that. They missed the time of his arrival. And I want you to know in the here and now, God's the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. He's still destroying in your life the power of the enemy. So if you're being depressed, you need to look to the one who took care of that in one session on the cross. But they missed it because they were looking for a coup. He was looking for the cross. Life point number two. The crowd had a revolt plan, but Jesus had a redemption plan. They wanted a coup. He had the cross on his heart. They wanted a revolt. Jesus had redemption on his heart. See, if you could tell, they were looking for natural answers. Jesus came riding on that cult with supernatural answers. 
Don't get so stuck in the natural that you miss the supernatural. You say, well, what's the supernatural? It's super duper above the natural. God doesn't want to just do your natural. He wants to do your super duper natural. Did y'all get that? That was so profound, y'all missed it. You've been looking for the natural, and God wants to do the supernatural. Don't limit him to the natural. Someone say, "Uh uh-huh. Yeah, he came for a spiritual solution. You know what they wanted? They wanted him to come and fix the problems in the world. And Jesus said, I can do better than that. I can save you out of the world. I can save you from the world. Y'all getting it? They didn't get it. Sometimes we don't get it. Sometimes we miss it. Because we want him just to fix what's bugging us. And when he fixes what's bigger than us, he can also fix what's bugging us. What's bugging us gets fixed as a side effect when he fixes the bigger problem. Are you all with me? This is, this is better than your amens are going right now. You know, as I was reading that story, not only did it, not only did it stand out to me that they missed the time of his coming, but there was something significant in that little story that stood out to me that I didn't really notice in succession, although I've read it many times. Isn't the Bible cool? Have you ever read it many times? All of a sudden, you read it one day and you're like, I didn't notice it like that before. You know why it's like that? Because every time you read it, the author is right there with you. That's why. It's alive, the Bible said. If it was dead, if it was just archaic, it wouldn't happen like that. It would be information. But when you read the Word of God, it becomes transformation. It starts to change some stuff. Now, these were rough times. These were challenging times that Jesus was born into. The the world that Jesus was born into for a Jewish person looked a little bit like this. He uh, he was born into a world that that, uh, Jewish people were under domination by uh, Roman military and Roman law. Greek philosophy was failing them. Uh, there 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 were no jobs. Many of them were facing poverty. Many of them, it it was rough times, sort of like today. And in that environment, when Jesus was born, the Bible said the government's going to be on his shoulders or the authority's going to be on his shoulders. They thought that just meant him taking over a literal physical throne. But he had a bigger throne that he was about to sit down on. But, But it's interesting to me that when Jesus came in with all the pomp and circumstance that was around him, and he began to face opposition from from the religious crowd, Jesus, you ever just wonder where he would go first? Like if you rode into town and they gave you a parade, go Shelly, go Shelly, and they come riding into town and everyone's excited, what would you do after that? Where would you go first? What's interesting in this story, Jesus went to the temple first. That's where we find the story that when Jesus entered the temple, And he saw that it wasn't a house of prayer, but it was a place of profit. Jesus did something that doesn't look like the Jesus holding the lamb in the pictures. The Bible said he fashioned a whip and he began to throw over and destroy the money changing tables. And he ran that religious crowd right out of his house because he said, this is a house of faith. This is a house of prayer. It's interesting to me that when, when the timing of God shows up, or whatever God wants to do, he shows up in the house of God. And he starts in the house of God and he pours out reformation and revival in the house of God. And then it affects culture. Then it affects society. 
It was just so interesting to me that where did Jesus go first? Jesus went to the temple. I would say it this way, that redemption begins in the house of God, um, not at the voting booth. Did y'all get that? Not at the polling place. Now that's important, but this isn't that message. I'm just saying, before it ever affects anything at the polling center, it happens in the house of God with the house, but the, with the people of God. It's so interesting to me. You say, well, what does that mean for us here now? In the hour that we're in, the day that we're in, y'all need, you know where we need to be right now? Running to the house of God. Now, that's not popular right now, but I'm going to emphasize it anyway. Because statistically, religious importance is at an all-time low. People are struggling since COVID just to get back in church. And I'm glad we have live stream. You know, our guys asked me one time, but what's our heart for live stream? I said, I just want a presence. I want a presence for new people. I want a presence when people can't be there. But I'm not going to overemphasize it too much because the Bible says don't neglect being in the house. There's something that happens in the house that can't happen out of the house. Listen, and when when some problems in your life, your marriage, your family, your work, um, your faith, when when whatever's going on, where do you need to be? You need to be in the house of God because there's answers in the house of God. Jesus went there first. He He took the parade right to the house of God. He straightened things out in the house of God, and that's where he started. Y'all remember this story? Uh, um, I don't know if you guys ever heard of this guy. Uh, he slew a giant called Goliath, um, David, Israel's first king, or not first king, but he, he, he was um, Israel's most famous king. And, and if you remember this, when King Saul was after him, the Bible said he ran to the temple and got the sword that killed Goliath. Even David knew in his time of trouble, where do you run? The house of God. Where, where should we be right now? Getting in the house of God. Because how many know when you leave here, you're pumped up. You're, 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 you're confident. You're hearing some revelation. You're hearing some things that you need to hear that you will not hear on Fox, CNN, or anywhere else on mainstream media. It just won't. You, 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 you need to hear what God's up to. Thank you for the enthusiasm, Roseanne. We could go have coffee and deal with this. No one else wants to hear this. Are you hearing me? Come on. You need to get there. Because Jesus had a redemption plan, not a revolt plan. You need to run to the church. You need to run to the right church. Because some churches have the wrong spirit in them. They have the world's spirit. I was talking to someone the other day and... and, um, crazy story, I won't go into it, but um, someone I knew years ago, and they watch, they don't even live around here, they, they live in a totally different state, and they said we watch every week, and they were appreciating the fact that we were preaching truth. I said, well, we will keep preaching truth, because truth sets people free. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. Let, me, let me read you a scripture. Let me read you a scripture. This is an awesome scripture. Y'all doing all right? Yeah. This is Isaiah chapter 53, and it says this, surely, everybody say Surely. He took up our pain and he bore our suffering. But we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgression. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him and by his wounds we were healed. We have to consider what he did. We don't want to miss his timing and we don't want to miss what he did. Can I just explain that verse to you and just what it means? I'll just read this to you. 
He bore our griefs, which means he bore our sickness and he bore our disease. He bore our sorrows, which meant he, he bore our physical and mental pain. He bore our transgression, which means he, he, he bore um, what revolted against the covenant. And he bore our iniquities or our perversity, our depravity. And he took off of us and he put all of that on him. He put our physical suffering, our mental suffering, our sin suffering, and he put it all on Jesus. Took it off of us and put it on him and gave us peace and spiritual health in replace of all of that. Jesus had a different plan. Jesus knew, I'm going to go have what's, what's messed with you put on me. He said, I'm going to go have what you did uh, 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 put on my account. Jesus had a different, had a different plan. Y'all getting where I'm going this morning? Uh, here, here, here's the third life point. The crowd had a mob mentality, but Jesus had a ma- Messiah mindset. The crowd had a mob mentality, but Jesus had a Messiah mindset. See, the crowd had, they had on their heart, they wanted a coup. They wanted a governmental takeover. That, that's what was on their agenda. But Jesus had a cross agenda. They, 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 had, they wanted a revolt. But Jesus had redemption in his plan. They, they had mob mentality. You ever seen mob mentality? They just, they just go and they just do. But Jesus, aren't you so glad that his mindset was Messiah, not mob mentality? In other words... They, they were selfish. He was selfless. He, he, he came, the Bible said, to seek and to save that which was lost, to destroy the work of the enemy. He came to serve my greatest need and your greatest need and give his life as a ransom for us. Yeah. <laughs> Philippians chapter 2. I, kn- I know you know this, these verses, but listen. This is about Jesus. He existed in the form of God, yet he didn't give any thought to seizing equality with God as his supreme prize. Instead, he emptied himself of his outward glory by reducing himself to the form of a lowly servant. He became human. He humbled himself and he was vulnerable. He chose to be revealed as a man and he was obedient. He was a perfect example even in his death, a criminal's death by crucifixion. Because of that obedience, God exalted him and multiplied his greatness. He has now been given the greatest above all names. The authority of the name of Jesus causes every knee to bow in reverence. Everything and everyone will one day submit to that name. In the heavenly realm, in the earthly realm, and even in the demonic realm. And every tongue will proclaim in every language that there is, Jesus Christ is the Messiah. He is the Yahweh, bringing glory and honor to his Father, God. The crowd didn't recognize because they had mob mentality. They, they, they just were full of emotion. They were just full of need. They were full of desperation. But Jesus was on a mission. The Bible said he endured all of it with joy to go to the cross, to pay the price, to redeem you and to redeem me. This, this is day one of Holy Week. This is Palm Sunday. He came in with a parade shouting with shouts of Hosanna, Hosanna, waving palm branches as a sign of victory. Hosanna, Hosanna. And the same crowd that shouted Hosanna by the end of the week said, crucify him and give us Barabbas. Because they didn't understand. 
guess we could say it this way, they didn't understand the, the bigger picture. And what I want you to do is understand the bigger picture. The bigger picture um, right now. I put this down. The crowd didn't recognize his coming because they had a political, natural, selfish agenda. Jesus had a completely different plan. Do you recognize the truth of his arrival or is it possible that you might miss the intention of his showing up? Because I think what we've done is we've, we've gotten our Jesus trophy and we put him on the shelf in our homes, in our lives. Every once in a while we'll take it down and maybe polish it off a little bit and reemphasize that trophy and we, we put it back. Jesus is not your trophy. You happen to be his is what the Bible says. But sometimes he's our Jesus trophy because um, we, need to, we need his help with the bills. And sometimes he's our Jesus trophy because we, 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 we need mended physically. And sometimes he's our Jesus trophy because we're lonely and we need assistance. And sometimes he's our trophy because we need our relationships fixed because we have messed them up. And sometimes... He's our Jesus trophy because he makes us feel good. And although I believe with all of my heart that Jesus does all of that, we miss what he's up to if we relegate him to only being that. And we could be in danger of shouting Hosanna on Sunday and by the end of the week, God, I don't need this. That's not what I wanted. This is not what I signed up for. I, I needed you to make sure that um, my husband didn't act foolish or my wife didn't act foolish or I, I was lonely and I don't, feel so, uh, I don't feel so wanted right now. And so, Jesus, um, I, I, need you to be, I need you to be my fixer of those things. And I believe with all my heart, how many have ever seen Jesus fix those things? But hear me, Jesus fixes bigger things than that. And he has a bigger plan than that. He, he, he wants all of you, not just to specialize in your fixing of your problem. Are you getting me this morning? Are you getting what I'm saying this morning? That he's bigger than that. He has a bigger agenda than that. Don't, don't you and I relocate him to only that. He's still the same, the same king that rode into the city was still the same king that went to the cross and gave his life. They did not take it. That sacrificed himself to serve our, our, our greatest need, which was spiritual, not just political. And if we think only that way, we become filled with conspiracy and we miss the message. Don't live in conspiracy. The cross was never a conspiracy to those who believe. If it, the scripture says that it is not conspiracy to those who are being renewed and believe and set free by the power of the cross, by the power of the gospel. Yeah, we better praise him for that. Now, do I believe in the power of God healing and resetting America? You better believe I believe it. But there's a greater deal. There's a greater thing than just that. 
And what we're going to do is we're going to stand to our feet and we're not going to worship him as the one who needs to fix our problems. We're going to worship him as the king that rode into Jerusalem, the king that went to the cross, the king who's the king over our lives this morning. Well, he said, how do we end this service? I said, not quietly, not quietly. We're going to start off, here's the deal. We're going to start off Holy Week with praises, but by the end of the week, don't be tossing your praises because you got some problems. Did you hear me? We're not going to toss our praises because we got some problems. I hope your Holy Week is blessed and everything goes right. But have you ever had one of those days that turns into one of those midweeks, that turns into one of those full weeks, that seems like it's been a month, sometimes a year, and been a season? He didn't get our praise because the season changes. He gets our praise because he holds the seasons. And we know, we know no matter the season, he's still Savior, he's still Lord. He is still king. Let's worship him. Let's praise him. Because he, he's God. He knows. He knows. Amen. He knows. He knows better. Amen. Can we just praise him? Father, we praise you. We worship you. We exalt you. We glorify you. We glorify your name as the king of kings and the Lord of lords. We praise you. We worship you.